wonderful boys and girls, and welcome to Storytime with Avant-Garde Books. I'm Jerry Hardy, and today I will be reading Bad News for Outlaws, The Remarkable Life of Bad Reeves, Deputy U.S. Marshal. This book was written by Vonda Michelle Nelson, and the illustrations are by R. Gregory Christie. Now, boys and girls, if you have a copy, feel free to follow along with me. But if you don't, it is not a problem. I want you to get in a very relaxed place and get comfortable and listen to this amazing story, Bad News for Outlaws, The Remarkable Life of Baz Reed, Deputy U.S. Marshal. Showdown, Indian Territory, 1884. Jim Webb's luck was running muddy when Bass Reeves rolled into town. Webb had stayed one jump ahead of the lawman for two years. He wasn't about to be caught now. Packing both rifle and revolver, the desperado leaped out a window of Bywater's store. He made a break for his horse, but Reeves cut him off. Baz hollered from the saddle of his stallion, warning Webb to give up. The outlaw bolted. Bass shook his head. He hated bloodshed, but Webb might need killing. As a deputy U.S. Marshal, it was Bass's job to bring Webb in, alive or dead. Bass had put Webb behind bars before, but the outlaw was back on the run. That would end today. Webb couldn't outrun a hop or horse, and he knew he'd hang for sure this time. In a blasted effort to escape, Webb stopped in his tracks, turned and let loose with his rifle. Webb's first shot raised Bass's saddle horn. The second shot cut a button from the lawman's coat. Webb's third tore the rain right out of Bass's hand. Bass struck his head, dove off his horse, and rolled to his feet just as a four-foot bullet clipped his hat rim. That was Jim Webb's last shot ever. Marshal Reeves fired two rounds from his Winchester rifle and the outlaw was done for. As he lay dying, Webb told Baz, you are a brave, brave man. I have killed 11 men and I expected to make you the 12th. Webb gave Baz his revolver out of respect. Baz buried Webb's body and turned in the outlaw's boots and gun belt as proof gotten his name. Being a peace officer in Indian Territory was rough and dangerous. The area swarmed with horse thieves, train robbers, cattle rustlers, and gunslingers. Bandits, swindlers, and murderers thrived. Travelers sometimes disappeared, never to be heard from again. A lawman's career could be short and end bloody. So Bass Reeves had a big job, and it suited him right down to the ground. Everything about him was big. Bass stood a head taller than most men of his time. He had broad shoulders and huge hands. Bass was so strong, he single-handedly pulled a steer out of mud up to its neck, while a bunch of slack-jawed cowpokes stood speechless. Bass sported a large, bushy mustache and wore a wide brimmed black hat. He rode tall, powerful horses. But the biggest thing about Bass Reeves was his character. He had a dedication to duty few men could match. 
He didn't have a speck of fear in him, and he was as honest as the day is long. Slave Days 1840s to 1860s Bass spent most of his early years as a slave in Texas. Even as a youngster, his star shone bright. Bass was sharp-witted and good-natured. People liked his pluck. He had a special way with animals, especially horses. Bass tended livestock and fetched water for the field hands. While he worked, Bass sang. He sang about pistols and rifles and knives. He sang of bandits and killers and thieves. His mother feared her boy might go bad. She couldn't have been more wrong. Bass took to guns like a bear to honey, but he always handled them with respect. He grew up smart and decent and had nothing but right in his heart. His owner, Colonel George Reeves, took Bass hunting and entered, entered him in shooting contests. He liked shooting Bass off, showing Bass off. Bass impressed his owner so much, the colonel took him along when he went to fight in the Civil War. But one night, something happened that changed everything for Bass. Folks say the two men argued during a card game, and Bass struck his owner. For a slave, this meant certain death. Bass made tracks for Indian Territory. Freedom and Family, late 1860s to 1874. Only Native Americans were supposed to live in Indian Territory, but some Indians accepted life. Bass lived within the tribes, learned their languages, and perfected his marksmanship. As he roamed the frontier, Bass felt a freedom he'd never known. Still, as a runaway slave, Bass had to keep on the dodge. Finally, the Civil War ended and the slaves were free. It was safe for Bass to settle down. He bought a spread in Arkansas, just outside Indian Territory, and married a pretty woman named Jean. True to the song of his life, Bass had a big family. He and Jenny and their 11 children worked the land and raised hardy livestock. Bass's life was good, but times were hard for folks in Indian Territory. The vastness of this wild country offered countless places for bad men to hide. The territory became a haven were the West's most notorious outlaws. Settlers in Indian Territory had had enough. Even though most were squatters who had put down stakes illegally, they still wanted protection. Deputy U.S. Marshal, 1875 to 1900. In 1875, the U.S. government sent Judge Isaac C. Parker to bring law to the territory. People called him the Hanging Judge and the mention of his name made outlaws who never spent a day in church whisper a prayer. The judge hired 200 deputy marshals to track down outlaws in an area covering 74,000 square miles, larger than what would become the entire state of Oklahoma. Bass Reeves was one of them. He became Judge Parker's most trusted man. Bass was perfect for the job. He knew the territory and its people, downright handy tools for tracking criminals and his skill with shooting irons was already the talk of the territory. Bass was blazing fast on the draw, and as good with his left hand as with his right. He would say he was only fair with the rifle, but Bass was such a crack shot. He was barred from turkey shoots at picnics and pairs. He always won. One sharp shooter said when Bass stood firm and took careful aim, he could shoot the left 
hind leg off a contented fly sitting on a mule's ear at a hundred yards and never ruffled a hair. Like most former slaves, Bass couldn't read, but this didn't stop him from doing his job. Before going after wanted men, he had to arrest warrants. He had the arrest warrants from Judge Parker read to him. Bass listened carefully and memorized the shapes of the letters for each name he heard. He memorized the charges against each person too. Then he hit the trail. Even when he got 30 warrants at a time, at one time, Bass always brought in the right outlaw. Bass could be out manhunting for weeks. He slept on the ground under the stars and worked in bitter cold and sweltering heat. Like other deputy marshals, Bass traveled with a chuck wagon and cook, a guard, and at least one posse man and a tumbleweed wagon to transport captives. Captive. Many lawmen of the time weren't much better than the hard cases they arrested, but Bass was a right man as rain was as right as rain from the boot heels up. He couldn't be bribed and he shot only as a last resort, even when Judge Parker said, bring them in alive or dead. Some outlaws like Jim Webb forced gunplay. Whenever Bass could, he found another way. Bass took many a bad man by surprise through the use of disguises. One day he'd pose as a cowboy, another he'd be a tramp, a gunslinger, or an outlaw. Even horses played a part in his disguises. Like many U.S. Marshals, Bass rode some of the finest. Most times, he forked a handsome sorrel. Bass rode proud in the saddle. There was no mistaking his silhouette, but prized horseflesh could be a dead giveaway that the rider was a lawman. Bass always kept some rough stock and rode lazy while undercover. He planned every capture carefully. When Bass caught wind that two outlaw brothers were holed up at their mother's cabin, he rounded up a posse and made camp some distance away. Bass knocked the heels from a pair of worn boots and shot three holes in a floppy old hat. He hid his badge, handcuffs, and pistols under trail-worn clothes, then started walking alone to the hideout. It was a long walk, 28 miles. Bass wanted to be sure that if the brothers spotted him, they wouldn't suspect he was the law. When the outlaw's mother answered the door, Bass said he was tuckered out and hungry. Showing the woman the bullet holes in his hat, he claimed the posse was after him. She took Bass in, fed him some vittles, and even let slip and even let slip that her boys were on the lamb. When the two arrived, they agreed to partner up with Bass. After sharing some laughs, everyone went to sleep, except everyone except Bass. At sunup, the brothers awoke in handcuffs. They were dumbstruck, but their mom was fit to be tied. As Bass led her sons away, she followed the three miles, calling him every bad name she knew. On a different warrant, Bass pretended to be a farmer. He rented some scrawny oxen and a rundown wagon. Bass drove the rig to the hideout of the men he was tracking. He ran over a stump on purpose and got a wheel car. The outlaws came to help. They wanted to get him away from their hideout. 
just as the criminal freed up the wagon, Bass jerked his colt. Seeing it was a deputy U.S. Marshal, Bass Reeves, all four outlaws threw up their hands. <laughs> Bass brought in wagon loads of criminals, as many as 17 prisoners at a time. Being a church-going man, Bass reckoned he could do more than put bad men behind bars. In the evenings after supper, he talked to the outlaws about the Bible and about doing right. Getting through to them was like trying to find hair on a frog, but Baz kept trying. Now and then, captured outlaws tried to get the better of the marshal, but Baz was tough and unflappable. One day, while he napped, the stump moseyed into camp and stopped next to Baz. Captains chained to the tumbleweed wagon threw stones at the stump, hoping it would spray its stink on the lawman. But when Baz awakened, he didn't flinch. He reached out and gently pitted the skunk. <laughs> Word spread that Baz was a square shooter, but a hard man. Outlaws learned that when Marshal Reeves had your warrant, you were as good as God, unless you hightailed it out of the territory. One outlaw named Helloween Sammy did just that. With Bass on his heels, Sammy mounted a swift black charger that flat out ran the martial soil. But Bass was patient. He would cross paths with Sammy on another day, and Bass would get his man. Even the infamous bandit queen, Belle Starr, admired Bass. Belle was about as far as tender, from tender as boot leather. She trifled with the likes of Jesse James and didn't cotton to lawmen. But when she heard Bass, at her warrant, she turned herself in for the first and only time in her long, lawless career. Bass was respected, and he was hated. Some whites didn't like the notion of a black man with a badge. Desperados simply wanted Bass off their trails. Bass had to be on the lookout day and night for bad men who were out to dry gulch him. But danger was a small matter for, a law, for this lawman. Duty was his guide. Right and wrong were clear and simple. One day on the prairie, Bass came across an angry mob lynching a man. Without a word, Bass cut the man down and put him back on the back of his soil. This was near as risky as Grasshopper landing on a head hill. But the mob just watched in awe as he rode off. They recognized Marshall Reeves and dared not interfere. Bass's devotion to duty was legendary. His sense of justice was never more tested than by his own son, Benjamin. One lawful, awful day, Benjamin killed his own wife after she'd been untrue. Bass was so well-liked that no one wanted to arrest his son. For two days, the warrant lay on, on the desk of the marshal of Muskogee. When Bass returned to the jail with prisoners, he got the sad news. It was painful, but he did what only Bass Reeves would do. He arrested his own son and turned him over to the court. Although he was sentenced to life, Bass's son was a model prisoner and was pardoned after serving just 10 years. Oklahoma Statehood. November 16, 1907, Bass Reeves' life as a deputy marshal ended the day Oklahoma became the state, a state and Indian territory ceased to exist. State and local lawmen took over the federal marshal's duties. 
Bass Reeves served as Deputy U.S. Marshal in Indian Territory for 32 years longer than any other. In fact, he was the only deputy who started with Judge Parker and stayed clear through statehood. He arrested more than 3,000 men and women, blacks, whites, and Indians. Many were desperate outlaws who knew Bass rode for Parker and figured they had nothing to lose by fighting to the death. Bass had many close calls, but never wounded. Remarkably, he killed only 14 men in the line of duty. Now, the finest deputy U.S. Marshal of his time was out of a job. Bass bucked getting put out to pasture. He hired on with the police force in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Bass was nearly 70 years old and walking with a cane, but he still put the fear of God into lawbreakers. During his two years on the force, not a single crime occurred in his patrol area. One fall day, Baz Reeves left work feeling ill. Two months later, on January 12, 1910, he died of a kidney ailment called Bright's disease. Hundreds of people, blacks, whites, and Indians attended his funeral. A fellow lawman, Bud Ledbetter, called Baz one of the bravest men in the country he has ever known, and one white homesteader that Baz was the most feared deputy U.S. Marshal that was ever heard of. Over the years, the name of Bass Reeves faded, like one of those heroes they call unsung. But his story has folks talking again, talking about the big man who helped bring peace to a big country, Deputy U.S. Marshal Reeves, a true champion of the American West. Wow, here's the timeline, boys and girls. In July 1838, Bass Reeves is born into slavery in Arkansas but grows up in Texas. In the early 1860s during the Civil War, Bass escapes to Indian Territory. April 1865, the Civil War ends, slavery is outlawed, Bass becomes a free man. May 1875, Judge Isaac C. Parker hires Bass as a Deputy U.S. Marshal. June 1884, Bass kills Jim Webb in the line of duty. January 1886, Mel Starr surrenders after Bass gets a warrant. 1889, the Indian Territory is open to white settlement. In November of 1896, Judge Parker dies in Fort Smith, Arkansas. June 1902, 1902 Bass arrests his son Benjamin. November 1907, Oklahoma earns statehood. Bass's career as deputy U.S. Marshal ends. He accepts a job on the Muskogee Police Force. January 1910, Bass dies of Bright's disease. March 1992, Bass Reeves is inducted into the Hall of Fame, Hall of Great Westerners of the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City. Wow, well, boys and girls, that is the end of that story. Bad news for outlaws, the remarkable life of Bass Reeves, Deputy U.S. Marshal, written by Vonda Michelle Nelson, and the illustrations are by R. Gregory Christie. Boys and girls, have a beautiful day. Take care.